This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Dr. Marina Stancenko, who is in the Division of Gynecologic Oncology, Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at NYU Langone Medical Center in New York. Welcome, Marina. Thank you so much for inviting me. So, Marina, first of all, congratulations on this uh, manuscript. I think, obviously, is um, extremely important, very, very timely, and uh, obviously uh, very, very relevant. The manuscript is uh, published in the journal Gynecologic Oncology, and it's titled Sexual Harassment and Gender Discrimination in Gynecologic Oncology. So we wanted to just hear from you first as to what led you to conducting this uh, particular study? Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, this this whole idea really was born out of very informal conversations with my colleagues um, at SGOs and at other meetings. We would just sit and talk about our own experiences as women physicians in this field. And we really quickly realized that, you know, sexual harassment is a, was popping up everywhere in the media. But in medicine, these conversations were really relegated to personal anecdotes in closed rooms. Mm -hmm. So it became our goal for this project to really look at the prevalence of sexual harassment mm -hmm. and the perceptions of gender bias that affect uh, the careers of gynecological oncologists. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to also uh, start by is asking you, what, what is the definition of uh, sexual harassment and, and really how common is this in the general population? Um, you know, sexual harassment is often defined as uh, you know it when you see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think a more, uh, a better definition is given by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And they define sexual harassment as any unwelcome sexual advance, a request for sexual favor, or other form of verbal or physical aggression that is sexual in nature. And Frankly, it's common. Hmm. Um, one public poll uh, conducted by the U.S. Um, network ABC News as well as the uh, Washington Post newspaper, this was done in 2017, they reported that 54% of American women had experienced some form of unwanted or inappropriate sexual advance at one point in their life. Um, more in medicine and science, um, the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, they, de they described a report that found 58% of female uh, academic faculty having had experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. So unfortunately, this topic is, is fairly common. Yeah, it's amazing the, the, the figures that you're giving. Yeah. And, and what, what are some of the, the consequences uh, of experiencing sexual harassment in, in the workplace. Uh, obviously, you, you read a lot uh, on this literature. Yeah. And I was wondering also if you can follow that up with uh, what are some of the, I don't know, short-term, long-term adverse outcomes of, of, of this, uh, this incident? So, um, not surprisingly, sexual harassment in the workplace can lead to declines in job satisfaction, increased job stress, decline in job productivity and performance. But more importantly, I think it can also have a real impact on both mental and physical health. Um, there was one meta-analysis by Nathan Bowling and his colleagues, and they noted significantly increased depression and anxiety in their patients who had experienced sexual harassment. 
in another study um, by Rebecca Thurston and her group, they saw that survivors of sexual harassment were more likely to have both hypertension and clinical insomnia. So not only does this impact your job performance, but it can have long-term effects on your physical and mental well-being. And, and do you know if there's any uh, data on, uh, in terms of like longevity in, in, in that workplace? In other words, are, are women who are subjected to sexual harassment more likely to change jobs routinely? Exactly, exactly. They, there is a higher prevalence of women leaving their jobs for exactly that reason, and that has been shown in multiple studies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously you, you mentioned the the percentages of, uh, of women um, dealing with sexual harassment. And it, it kind of it surprises me that there really hasn't been that much um, in terms of studies evaluating this, and, and particularly also in medicine and, and in gynecologic oncology up until uh, this point. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that? Honestly, I think sexual harassment has been a taboo topic for, for many, many years, and it's really only in the last decade and really only in the last maybe three to five years with Me Too and Time's Up movements mm -hmm. that this topic has really exploded in mainstream media. And more than just that, gynecology is a field dominated by women. You know, in the U.S., 80% of newly matched OBGYN residents are mm -hmm. women. Um, do the female GYN oncology group is also continuously uh, growing. Today, uh, more than 50% of SGL members are women. I think it's, it's difficult to admit that even in a field that revolves around caring for women and is dominated by female physicians, sexual harassment and gender discrimination still happens. I think it's just a difficult topic to discuss. So now let's, let's actually get a little bit into the, the details of your, your manuscript um, in your methodology, who was your target population and, and what topics did you specifically query the participants when conducting this study? So we surveyed all U.S.-based physician members of the Society of Gynecologic Oncology. For those listeners who may not be familiar with it, the SGO is a professional medical society uh, of more than 2,000 physicians, advanced practice providers, nurses, scientists, and patient advocates that works to improve the care of women at risk for or affected by gynecologic cancers. Mm -hmm. our, surveys question, our survey questions we actually adopted from the annual Association of American Medical College Graduation Questionnaire. Uh, we did receive permission from them for specifically for this. Mm -hmm. And so respondents were asked uh, their demographics and then a series of questions about their experiences with sexual harassment and gender discrimination, both during their years of training and while in practice. And then finally, we asked them questions on whether they would they perceive gender as having influenced their career advancements and their salaries. And, and who were the, uh, the responders in, in terms of their demographics? I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about that. Who made up the group who responded? Definitely. The survey was sent to about 1,500 SGO members, and we received 405 responses for a response rate of about 25%. And this is comparable to a lot of other studies that uh, target physicians as their respondents. 63 of our respondents were female, and 36% were male. And given the subject topic, I think this is a, a, a fairly reasonable distribution. Mm -hmm. 
uh, female respondents were younger, they were more racially and ethnically diverse, and they were at an earlier point in their career than male respondents. We also asked the practice type uh, for, for respondents, and uh, it was similar for both genders. About 60% of our respondents pra practiced in the academic setting, 22% were in the hospital or a large health system, and about 13% were in private practice. So when you look at all of your responses, um, what did you find? I mean, this, this is, uh, this is uh, very interesting, uh, obviously, to, to us when we read it. Um, what, what were the results of the survey? Uh, an astounding 64% of mm. all GYN oncologists that responded uh, reported having experienced some form of sexual harassment on at least one occasion, mm. either during their training or during their years of practice. When we looked by gender, it was 71% of female and 51% of male respondents, which um, I, I was pretty uh, flabbergasted by. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a little bit more specifically, uh, about a quarter of all respondents reported being subjected to unwanted sexual advances. Uh, that's about 20% of women and 30% of all men. 40% reported having been exposed to offensive sexist remarks or names. Again, by gender, it's about half of all female respondents and a quarter of male respondents. And when we looked at the, these percentage breakdowns between trainees and practicing physicians, those were actually quite comparable. And then when we asked about reporting these instances, if, if respondents actually reported them, it was even worse. Only 15% of respondents who had had an incident of sexual harassment happen to them actually went on to report, report that incident. Yeah. And, and definitely that, that, that was something that I found also very, very interesting. And we're going to get a little bit into that in a, in a mm -hmm. few minutes. But now I, I also noticed you, you report you know, really troubling statistics. You mentioned that 3% of trainees and 4% of faculty were directly asked to exchange sexual favors for an academic position. Um, you know, certainly, I mean, this is a crime. Uh, do we know <laughs> if these women uh, reported uh, these incidents? Um, you know, I think many crimes of sexual harassment go unreported. Um, you know, probably the most famous of these, uh, of sexual crimes not being reported, is the Harvey Weinstein case from the last several years. Right. If you think about yeah. it, for years, women were too intimidated. They were worried about losing their career, so they just didn't speak out. Mm -hmm. Um we tried to keep our survey anonymous and, mm -hmm. and really generalized. So I don't have specific data on which instances of sexual harassment were reported and which were not. But we did ask respondents um, who did not report their incidents why they didn't. Mm -hmm. And the most common reasons they gave us were that some of them just didn't think it was that important. Mm -hmm. um, they, and they didn't think anything would be done about the incidents. They were afraid of a reprisal the incident kind of was resolved on its own or more concerningly, they didn't know how or what to do. Yeah. And, and Marina, when, uh, when the sexual harassment was reported, uh, do you have any information as to who they reported it to? Was there any action taken? Do, do we have a sense as to whether, you know, the victims felt that their claims were validated? I don't know if you were able to get that, that granular detail yeah. from the survey. So the incidents were mostly, most commonly reported to department chiefs, 
hospital administrators or other faculty members. I, unfortunately, I don't have data on the specific action that was taken, but what we did ask was whether the respondents were satisfied with the outcomes of, of having reported. And unfortunately, only 25% of respondents were satisfied, while 64% were dissatisfied with the results. Hmm. And now, you, you mentioned some of the reasons for not reporting the, the sexual harassment, and you know, it makes me wonder if really, you know, is there enough information provided to trainees and faculty regarding the reporting and handling of, of sexual harassment? Do, do, do you consider that we're doing a, a good job or do you consider uh, otherwise? You know, given that 37% of respondents didn't think anything would be done about the incident if they, even if they did report it, and an additional 7% had no idea how to report it, I certainly think that there's room for improvement in implementing and executing sexual harassment reporting policies. I really think that it's imperative for trainees and faculty to know that their place of employment does not tolerate this behavior um, and what they should do if they were the target of this behavior. And then finally, what are the consequences for the aggressor? Mm -hmm. I think written policies that are distributed and advertised are really vital to this. Um, I think that you know large healthcare systems should really have staff that's dedicated to handling these types of incidents staff that's both knowledgeable about this, but also understands the sensitivity of the subject matter. I think an anonymity with reporting is vital to making, um, making, making people feel that they can um, come and talk about these things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I also, you know, I've, I've, as we have been discussing this topic, I, I've heard you and, and certainly also in the survey, uh, we've been focusing obviously on women. Uh, but you mentioned uh, statistics on men as well, and, and obviously this is an issue for, for men uh, as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It is an issue for men. Um, half of all men that responded to our survey uh, said that they had experienced sexual harassment. Um, while this was a bit surprising for us, this actually is in line with a previous report by Dr. Jubilee Brown. Hmm. Um, and her team noted that 40% of surveyed male gynecologic surgeons reported workplace discrimination, and 20% reported workplace harassment. Um, I think sexual harassment surveys often exclude men, mm -hmm. um, and you know they often really focus on women, and I think both our and Dr. Brown's studies demonstrate that sexual harassment does happen to men. But I also think that discussing and reporting these incidents may have very unique challenges among male victims. Yeah, it's a it's a obviously a, a particularly relevant to to women and men. And so I think that you know exactly. the, the institution should target both uh, both genders and and that Absolutely. that and that brings me to a, a different uh, area that you actually also allude to in the in the survey and the issue of um, professional compensation and gender mm -hmm. inequality and in, uh, in gynecologic oncology. Uh, it seems obvious and clear. It's a present issue. So the question is, you know, why are women gynecologic oncologists not receiving the same compensation? And uh, in, in your own words, what should be done about that? You know, um, as I mentioned earlier, female physicians are becoming the majority in GYN oncology. But the 2015 SGO practice survey um, showed a significant dispar disparity between male, male and female uh, GYN oncologists in the U.S., mm -hmm. 
the mean annual salary for male physicians was almost $150,000 more than for female physicians. And more so, twice as many males as female physicians held the rank of professor. I think there, you know, the, arguably there may be many factors that affect the pay and rank discrepancy, but certainly gender bias is likely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our survey, a third of women and 20% of men felt that they had been denied specific opportunities based on gender, and these are kind of job opportunities um, or advanced or educational opportunities. And then similarly, another, a third of female respondents and 14% of male respondents uh, reported receiving lower academic evaluations and positions based solely on gender. Our female respondents felt, uh, strongly felt that gender influenced their ability to advance in their careers. On the other hand, male respondents were significantly more likely to report that they actually faced no obstacles in their career advancement. So certainly there may be other factors at play, but gender bias in and of itself is definitely plays uh, a significant role here. Yeah, and I think lays the ground for tremendous opportunities for leaderships in our societies to, to work with this data to hopefully improve upon that. Um, so my, my next question is, you know, getting back to the subject of uh, sexual harassment, um, do, do you have a sense from what you have investigated whether – this is also an issue in other specialties. Is there any data documenting this in the in the literature? And then also, obviously, I'm, I'm wondering if you have any information about outside of the United States in general. Is this something that is also happening in medicine outside of the U.S.? You know, they're, they're similar to what we've done. Multiple groups have looked at sexual harassment in other areas of academic medicine. Um, particularly Reshma Jadzi's group looked at Kay Awards grant recipients. And she noted that female, female compared to male grant recipients were more likely to report sexual harassment and to report perceptions and experiences of gender bias. And then I um, previously mentioned uh, there was a report that was highlighted by the National uh, Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. And they noted that over half of female academic faculty had experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. And in regards to um, countries outside of the U.S., I really wish that I could say that, you know, our European colleagues are faring better than the the U.S. uh, faculty are, but unfortunately that's not true. Uh, Susanna Banerjee and her colleagues, Mm -hmm. uh, they looked at gender-related challenges within the European Society of Medical Oncology. Um, The results were a bit disheartening. Of the medical oncologists that they surveyed, female respondents were less likely to play a leadership role they were more likely to feel that gender affected their careers and were twice as likely to feel that women and men do not have equal opportunities in the workplace. And almost a third of female respondents reported having experienced unwanted sexual comments. Hmm. So unfortunately, I think um, these issues are prevalent around the world. So Marina, you're obviously, you know, you you are already demonstrating such amazing leadership in and, uh, and, you know, so, so early in your academic career, um, I'm, I'm sure many um, look up to you. And my question is, um, what is your advice to those listening who may be experiencing sexual harassment? What should they do? I think the first thing I'd say is what you are experiencing is not acceptable and you are not alone. I think speaking out and reporting may be difficult, and while I do encourage you to do so, it's really a personal decision if you think you want to and are comfortable with doing so. 
If you work in a large hospital system, use the Human Resources website has information on how you can report anonymously. If you work in a private setting, find someone in administration that you're comfortable speaking with. If you're not comfortable reporting, this is also okay. Find a trusted friend or therapist you can talk to. Honestly, even seemingly small instances of sexual harassment can really have lasting effects. So don't just let this linger, you know, and, and kind of keep going. Absolutely. This is something you really do need to address. Absolutely. Really very, very important message, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, lastly, I wanted to ask you, what should society, such as the SGO, the IGCS, EGO, ESGO, what should they do to assure that sexual harassment and gender inequality does not continue to happen? You know, I'm glad we're, we're ending on this because um, I think it's time for action. Uh, I think in regards to sexual harassment, we need firm guidelines in place that are widely discussed and strictly implemented. Members of our society should know that these behaviors are not tolerated and that there will be consequences should they be engage in these behaviors. Recently, the SGO made public their procedure for judicial grievances that established the process for SGO to address reports and complaints of members violating the society's code of professional conduct. I really applaud them for this, and I really hope that other societies follow suit. Um, with gender inequality, I think it's an even more difficult topic to address. Our societies can start by working to actively promote women to leadership positions and provide mentorship to help young female physicians advance in their careers. On a broader scale, I think the societies can encourage their members to be really transparent with salaries and the criteria needed for academic advancement. There is good data that supports the notion that gender pay gap, the gender pay gap narrows when salary, salary transparency is implemented. So I think this is something that we really need to, um, to advocate for and push. Um, I just wanna end with this. I, I recently saw someone post on Twitter that they were tired of prescriptive studies of harassment and discrimination. They finally wanted to see real change. I think all of our societies, both in the U.S. and abroad, are really well positioned to be advocates for female physicians. And I just hope that our report stirs them into real action. Marina, you should be so proud. And, uh, and certainly, uh, I think this is such a fantastic work. And, and I salute you for your, your leadership and for taking the initiative for raising awareness. Uh, this is an incredibly important topic. Uh, and once again, thank you for contributing that to our literature. Thank you for having me today and for highlighting our work. I really um, I appreciate it. Thank you.